BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's head of UK content, Top Cat, Toby Cudworth. Toby, how are you doing today? Hello, mate. Um, good. West Ham haven't played yet at the time of recording. You've, you've so immediately I... dated our episode. Well, I'm going to prefix that with at the time of recording, we haven't played, we haven't lost. We haven't won, so I'm not in a bad mood, like some maybe after the weekend's results. Although, Scott, I'm imagining you're quite chipper after a, a 94th minute equaliser. They didn't deserve uh, to lose, I don't think. Uh, quite an irritating penalty given away by Scott McTominay in Man United's draw with Chelsea. Uh, but, you know, they played okay for spells, and I think a, a point was the fair result. I'm taking more more satisfaction i guess from the failures of liverpool and spurs over the last few days graham you must be uh you must be buzzing because your early shout in the season for newcastle to get top four is looking sweet at the moment i think i did say top six to just to correct that um but yeah um, are we sure are we sure i said it was above the united yeah i think they were challenging top six i said i didn't say top four but hey silly thing if they do well in the january window as we'll discuss Silly things have happened, and to be fair, Eddie Howe's getting a tune out of some of these players, and and it's not just the Almir ones, but the more surprising, I think, than him is like the Sean Longstaffs of this world, who he's he's getting a tune out of Dan Burn at left back, etc. He's he's really getting a tune out of some of these lads who, yeah, like you know, for instance, Almiron, we always knew there was a, probably a player in there. I still don't think he's a top four, top six player, but we always knew there was talent there. But some of these other players, he's he's really getting a team spirit there. Do you think, um, quickly before we move on, do you think he, Newcastle are benefiting from the fact that they have a, a system in place, whereas the likes of Spurs, Chelsea, United to an extent, teams in and around the top six are fiddling with their formation, whereas Newcastle know what they're doing. They've been doing it since last season and now they've carried that form over. Yeah, I, th- I think they're benefiting from having um, Stevenson, but the core players are so good, Toby, as well. You know, the Trippier... De Bruno, Joel Linton, who's 
suddenly a Premier League midfielder. Um, he's not disgracing himself. Um, and Wilson, that spine's very good. And Botman going in there as well. But uh, but it's all built around Bruno, you know. And he's playing he's playing so well. He's, uh, and you know, you can have <laughs> the whole team is just ticking around him, and he's playing so well. And um, yeah, and obviously what Eddie's telling him, he's kept, he's kept it a bit simple, you know. Nice four three three. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when he does try and bring these other big names, which will come in, the big stars. But I think he's he's choosing sensibly of these of these players. You know, we've seen him linked to a lot of players, but he's making sure they are the right characters to fit in with the squad. Yeah, I've been saying on other shows that I think the big six might be ending because we're getting a seventh. And what what? How do we refer to this slot then? It can't be the big seven. We've already used the word big for big six. Super seven. Super seven, but there's a super six, you know, like the the game that you play pre- score predictor each week. Yeah, it, yeah. See who who knows, you know, if uh, Aston Villa appoint this next big manager, they might come up there, and uh, West Ham and Wolves have flirted with this as well as Leicester as well. And <laughs> not um, <laughs> Aston Villa completely relying on their history with that. They're not a big six team. I know they've got billionaire owners, but this whole idea that they think they should be challenging for the top six. Have some self awareness, right? Come on. I, for me, I still think Villa. You know, if like for me, I saw some polls, um, some people doing polls on Twitter: West Ham, Villa, um, Leicester, etc. I, I still Villa is one of the top, I'd say, top eight biggest teams in the league for me. Probably not too far wrong. Anyway, um, you know, there is a seven teams now into four places. Man City, obviously. Well, I say obviously, probably going to win the league. Arsenal dropping points at the weekend. Uh, Man City closing the gap. I think they'll be top by the time the the uh, World Cup rolls around. Arsenal played Chelsea before uh, the before the World Cup happens. And I think City have got some simple-ish games for them to come through. And they're just looking like they're hitting their stride now. Erling Haaland scoring loads and loads of goals, obviously. But today we'll be talking about transfers, because that's what this show is about, talking transfers. We'll be talking about Cristiano Ronaldo, who could have joined Man City just over a year ago and now is being kicked out of Man United at some point in 2023 by the looks of it. Could it be sooner? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Naby Keita at Liverpool and his contract status. We'll talk Harry Kane, Bayern Munich and Tottenham. What's going to happen with his contract? He's got just over 18 months left. We'll talk West Ham. Irons in the fire for Toby today. We'll talk about midfielders and we'll talk about Bayern Munich and their interest, I guess, in Ilkay Gundogan from Man City. So a few links there. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth. And you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. All of those major podcast platforms, as I mentioned, we are available there. Just search Talking Transfers and you'll find us. We'll start with a man who's just... We, we wrote a story about this, Graham. I can't remember how long ago it was, but Eric Ten Hag's getting irritated by how Cristiano Ronaldo is always the story, even if he's not playing. That example has been followed to a T over the last week. And... <sighs> Some of the punditry around this is just to, to me is is mind boggling. I mean, Graham might agree with some of it. I know that uh, you think Ronaldo should be in the team. I think, uh, but to me, this is just some absolute madness. They they look a, a better team without him, uh, and the guy's thirty seven. 
Yes, um, I, I feel I can see you can see both sides of the argument. I agree with Ten Hag when we wrote a story quite a few weeks ago. Now she's got one of, one of the first onto it that you know Ten Hag he, he, he he's quite happy with it with the professionalism and the way he was training. To be fair, but he was just getting annoyed, a bit just frustrated with every press conference he turns up. Whether Ronaldo is playing, whether he isn't playing, if he did, how do he play? If he didn't, why not? It's just con- it's just constant. You know, after the, you know, after the City defeat in the derby, you know, Ten Hag, he stood well to the press. He came out and said, look, we were terrible. We got hammered, etc." And the first question was about Ronaldo. <laughs> it's, it's just not, it takes away from the team. So you can see why, um, you know, I don't, and, and don't know, I don't really think, obviously things have happened since Ronaldo has, has not done himself justice, but no matter what, um, this wasn't going to work. Um, coming into this offset, coming to this new part of the season, and United should have foreseen this in the summer. You know, I think Ten Hag would have allowed him to go. It was a, it was the high ups who were probably, unfortunately, looking at the till receipts at the superstar Scott, seeing the Ronaldo shirts and thinking, hmm, can we get at least another six months a year out of this? And so they brought it on themselves to a certain degree. Was there a, was there a viable, absolute, concrete option for him though? I think that was part of the issue where Mendes was working really hard. But they just—they never quite had that green light from Old Trafford. It was always more of an amber hold holding pattern. Um, they were waiting for Mendes to do work and say, "Right, I've got this. I've got this." There was, there was a lot of nibbles there, you know, from around the league, from Chelsea to Atletico, etc., and Sporting. There was a lot of nibbles. And I think if they had said, "Right, free transfer, go on, you can go," I think he would have found. I think he would be at Sporting now, possibly. If they'd simply said, "Right, there you go, free transfer. What monies do you need for you to go?" Go. I think he would have been out of Old Trafford by now. But I just think they were clinging on to something. And, and, and was the thought there amongst some of the coaching staff that, yeah, if Rashford gets into my house, could we still use him? Of course, there is that aspect as well, isn't there? Um, because you didn't have anyone else to come in. So, and, and it's one that's going to come back around in January. You know, it, that that's the question as well. Yeah, we need to let him go. But can we cope without him? Do we need, and if, if we can, great. If not, do we need another striker to come in? Um, after him and that's as we've seen it's not easy in January yeah uh, Toby United performed well for a spell of a spell of 35 40 minutes at Chelsea in the draw uh, on Saturday evening bossed the midfield until uh, Graham Potter fell on his sword in a sense and changed it round uh, they were if there was a team that deserved to win maybe it was United but they didn't really do enough either um, but they they do look much improved, don't they? Even with Ronaldo in the team, and obviously, the the argument has been put forward from Roy Keane: if if Ronaldo has that chance that Rashford gets, he scores that. Does Ronaldo get that chance? <laughs> I, don't, I don't disagree with that particular comment that Ronaldo's finishing is better than Rashford's. I think that's undeniable. There won't be a single person in the country, or indeed around the world, who would argue against that. But as you point out, Scott, it's the style of play, it's the positions, it's Ronaldo's work off the ball. It's a bigger picture than just scoring goals. This argument has been simplified to he was United's top scorer last season, so he should be in the team. It just seems to me that discourse is a bit basic and you've got to look at the bigger picture, which is what Eric Ten Hag has been doing in United as the season is going on, are getting better. Structurally, they're getting better. They look more cohesive as a front three, pressing. They have more of an idea of when to go and when not to. Casemiro is finally in the starting lineup, and I'm pretty sure he's a I hell said, of a player, by the way. Honestly. I'm pretty sure I said on the pod when he signed that 
it's a lot of money, but he's brilliant and he will be a great player for United in the next three or four years. Um, very early on in his United career, but that performance just illustrated how good he can be. And it's fixing that spine. Once you get that defensive midfielder position sorted and you've got confidence of who's playing that role, I think it then frees the other five players to be able to adhere to Ten Hag's tactical um, requests and when to press, press and when to go. And United just look better for it. But I can't imagine a world where Ronaldo is in that team and United look good. Yes, he yeah. finishes chances, but it's it's more than that now. And as you've said, Scott, he's 37. He's not the future of the club. Ten Hag's been brought in to rebuild. What's the point in doing a rebuild where you then just have this huge caveat of, oh, but you've got to make sure that Ronaldo's still involved? I don't see the point of that. Um, if he had an option to go, I think he would have gone. But honestly, I don't think he had an option. That's why he's still there. Nobody's going to pay him anywhere near the amount of money that he's on. And I don't think Ronaldo's ego would allow him to take a massive pay cut, knowing full well that Lionel Messi is still getting a huge wedge at PSG. He just won't do it. I know we hear to the contrary that he would, but I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, as I said at the start of the season, I think the only way this is going to work for Ronaldo is if he does accept that he's going to be not an automatic first choice. Uh, and it so turns out that he can't accept that. And where does this now lead us, Graham? Because uh, you can read on lightmin.com the latest on Cristiano Ronaldo uh, from Graham and myself. But Graham, can you talk us through the situation as it stands? Obviously, we're, we're speaking in the aftermath of the Chelsea game. Obviously, I'm sure everyone knows by now, but Ronaldo was uh, Ronaldo walked out of United's game beforehand uh, against Spurs, uh, walked out, left the stadium before the game finished, was punished by Ten Hag, confirmed that he left the stadium, et cetera, et cetera, was punished by missing the Chelsea game, but he is, I'm guessing, if he's willing, going to be integrated back into the fold and put a, well, put a plaster on it for another three weeks. Um, but is that the case, Graham? And are we expecting that Ronaldo will depart at some point early next year? I think all parties would like that. I don't necessarily think it's a guarantee, Scott. Um, you know, the World Cup break is coming for a lot of teams and players at the right time. I think Ronaldo is one of those. He can go off to Qatar, think about his future. And, and it all just comes out of him as well, that whether he does want to leave. I think he, he will want to leave, you know. from My understanding from Ronaldo party is, you know, he, he, he hasn't enjoyed the way it's been playing out at United. You know, he, even from the moment he came back, um, I know, Toby say he scored a few goals last year. He, he saved United last year. He, imagine, imagine Ronaldo not in that United team. You, you'd have been flirting with relegation, Scott. And I think, yeah, but the know, argument is there that Ronaldo's signing ruined the momentum that they had in the first place. This is um, this is the entire no, no, argument. United, so, United, and it was, United, the, yeah, it was the same United, argument at Juventus yeah. as well that they Ronaldo never, wants all the chances. Yeah. Ronaldo scores all the goals. The players always play for that Ronaldo pass to make mm. him score, and it takes away from the overall team, which is the argument that we're having now. You can no United were never going to be a success last season because you had Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as manager and then Ralph Ragnett. So no matter you could have had you could have had Mbappe, Ronaldo, any player in the world up there, you would not have been a success last season because you had no one in charge. They finished the year the second of the year before. Yeah, so, under so, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, but he still wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough. No, think, don't, don't get me wrong, uh, he wasn't. Uh, no, and, at the same so time, now, yeah, but the 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 core of the team, the manager, when the managerial part of the team is rotten. 
and not good enough, you're never going to achieve. And I still stand by that. I don't, Ollie had no success at United whatsoever. Marcus Rashford, for instance, how how has he not improved as a striker? Um, of Ollie certainly didn't think he was, but he didn't improve as a player. I don't think he improved any players personally, Ollie, or when Ollie was there, apart from natural progression, which you do see from Premier League players all over the place. In terms of Ronaldo, Scott, it depends. You know, we're going to talk about Ruben Amarim at some point in the show. If he leaves Sporting, he was the main obstacle to that Sporting deal. He didn't really want Ronaldo there, which for any young manager having a um, a legend like him coming at the club is always tough, you know. Um, so I think Sporting really still is an option there. Um, they're way off the chase of the in the Portuguese top flight at the moment. I think they're about nine points behind Benfica at the moment, um, and the, and there's a real chance that they don't make it through in the Champions League. I guess the point now is, you know, is he going to get a Champions League club in Aldo? I'm not so sure. There are teams out there. I've seen, um, I've heard AC Milan have an interest more for the end of the season rather than January. And it may come out to play it past that Ronaldo may have to, United may have to suck it up till the summer. Will they hand him a free transfer, Scott? It's possible, never say never, you know. Um, we'll see. But we'll see what he does at the World Cup because that'll have a bearing. If he goes to the World Cup and has a great World Cup, you will obviously get more suitors for him. Thinking, oh, perhaps he isn't finished. I think the problem at the minute is his behaviour. Um, he's not playing. So it's a tough one. Um, does he go in January? I think it's probably still 50-50, Scott, whether he goes in January. I really do. We'll see how he does in the World Cup. I think there's a chance he remains in the season and then he will walk away, obviously, um, being out of contract. It, it's a big one. It's a tough one to call. Yeah, I think even if the result of the talks between Hen Hag and Ronaldo are that Ronaldo accepts his position in the team and in the squad, do you honestly expect Ronaldo to sit on the bench for eight months? And accept that's it. That's right. Even <laughs> even if he's even if he does nothing, he's happy doing it. And so, and and I think that's where Ten Hag doesn't particularly blame Ronaldo. Where he's gonna, and that is the annoying thing for Ten Hag, where he knows if he does stay from February to June, for every defeat, he's gonna get quizzed about him, isn't he? No matter if Ronaldo just sits there, literally doesn't. Like, if he accepts it, if he comes on the last five minutes of every game and he's happy and comes out and says he's happy, he's gonna get quizzed about it every single week, isn't he? And grilled about it by the likes of Roy Keane, etc., etc. Uh, weird, weird situation surrounding United at the moment because they are looking more coherent than they have for a while. Uh, improving, I, I honestly can't. Don't know about you guys. I can't, honestly can't predict who's gonna who's gonna come in the top four because United have confused me the last few weeks. Which United we're talking? Newcastle, or Manchester. I think the listener knows <laughs> which United we know. we're talking. I was talking about fourth place United actually. Um, Newcastle looking pretty good. I it's a, it, the top four. I think it's going to be. Um, I think as I say, City will have it done by Easter Scott. But I think this race for the top four, and I, I don't think this year it's just going to be fourth and fifth. I think we could have four or five teams. Who yeah. Come last two weeks of the season, we might not know who's going to finish second. Mm-hmm. It's it's going. I think that's going to be the tail of this Premier League. It's going to be amazing. The running where, you know, from sixth to second, we might not know who. I wonder how that changes the dynamic of managers if you're within touch of coming fourth or third on the last day of the season, you end up seventh. Be quite yeah, interesting. yeah, it's a great point. So, isn't it? it's, um, and and do you know what? We're not even thinking, and because I, I I can't, I just can't. I've, I have ruled Liverpool out in my head out of the title race, but surely they've got to be in chase for top four, and that's going to be remarkable as well. So, City, Tottenham, Chelsea, United, and I, I know I kid on about Newcastle. I'm not sure I've put them in the top four battle just yet. But I think if Newcastle can have a couple of a couple of big signs in January, then I think they will legitimately be in that question. Don't have Europe either. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, good point. Do you know Go the on one thing to throw into this argument is there are problems at Spurs defensively. They've got issues they need to sort out. They can't work out what formation is best and how to accommodate. Son, Kane, Richarlison when he was fit, etc. Chelsea need to find their identity under Potter, even though they haven't lost a game. You'd, you'd have thought they he's weren't had a, very good the other day. They weren't, but you'd have thought he's had a nightmare start though. But he hasn't. He hasn't lost in eight games. They've won. You think he's got? I think he's got a plan. That, I don't know whether you guys agree. I think Potter's got a plan in his head, and he's just like, I've just got to get through it the summer now. This yeah. isn't my team. Half of them I don't really particularly want. Mm-hmm. I don't fit in my system. So I think he's doing great really. Where he's, and he's never going to say this, but he's just he just wants the end of the end of season can't come quick enough for Potter, just so he can really like mold the team to his vision, isn't it? Same as Ten Hag to a certain degree, Scott, isn't it? So he can get that after his last summer's you know, the, the chase of De Jong and stuff, which we may see again. But there's some of these managers who really can't wait to get to, to get to that summer window and have a proper summer window at it. But the other factor to throw in is that the gap has closed between the top four and the remainder of the Premier League teams. When we did our relegation predictions at the start of the season, we all said Bournemouth to go down. Most of us said Fulham to go down. And then we were really scratching our heads over who was going to come 18th because we said there's a lot of teams kind of in the same boat, not very good teams. But actually, everybody's taking points off each other. I'll give West Ham as an example. They're 17th as we record this. If they beat Bournemouth tonight, they're 10th. And then they're only four points off seventh the league is incredibly tight and I think that's going to have a big factor on who comes in the top four is teams are losing games that they weren't expected to lose before and I think the entire Premier League is actually going to be a lot closer this time around than what we've seen in years gone by it's actually quite nice we don't want I did say I said we had had likes of Fulham coming up and we thought could make an impact when you have good teams coming up and Forest should be better than the air and and you know and Bournemouth made a good slug of it. It really closes it in, doesn't it? Because as you say, Toby, from from Fulham in seventh down to Forest, you you struggle to pick your bottom three now. You, if someone said to you now, "Oh, Brighton go, Brentford go," you'd be a bit shocked, but you wouldn't it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a biggest upset in the world, would it? And if Forest finished mid table, yeah, you could probably still see it to a certain extent, couldn't you? It's it's a it's, it's a great Premier League shaping up. That is how the Premier League should be, some would argue, because of the investment that goes right across the league, the quality of players. You know, I think it's shaping up to be a good season. It'll be some real uh, levelers as well. The fact that fixtures come every three days, both before and after the World Cup. The I really don't know what know what to expect after the World Cup, given the injuries that will probably occur the amount of matches, the players who will come back fresh from it, having been knocked out early, well, I, yeah, levels like of confidence. Salah and Haaland, they were both having a nice month off. Well, could be fine. Salah needs it. Probably. Salah needs it. I was going to say, this <laughs> me. Let's, he, let's, let, go on he, was a, he was anonymous against yeah. Forrest. I watched that game. He barely kicked the ball. It was bizarre. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, let's keep on Liverpool because someone who has barely kicked the ball, I don't think, has he, has he even kicked the ball this season? Not this season, no. Uh, is out of contract, I believe, in summer 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a number of Premier League rivals are sniffing around, seeing what the possibilities are. Like, I've talked about this on other podcasts about Liverpool needing to move players on. I just think that they've lost that intensity that they managed to show at City. That was a one-off. That was a one-off game. They are not the same for me. They are not the same team that we've seen for the last five years. They are lacking something. I think they need some heavy turnover personally i'm thinking one of the minority of people who are saying this but i just think it's a it's a really big task for jürgen klopp because i don't think liverpool have managed 
the squad management and turnover properly like other managers of the past have done. But Navi Keita is out of contract in eight months' time, Graham. Yeah. Uh, what can we expect here? Is he going to stay or is this going to be a departure? He's got a, He's got options on the table. Yeah, he's a really 27 now. He's been injury-prone since he came in. We know that. But at the end of last season, as I've said before, I think he showed... He was one of the best midfielders in the Premier League towards the end of last season. But he didn't start the Champions League final when a lot of lot of people thought he would because he was playing that well. And he missed out to Henderson and Thiago. Over the summer, we saw murmurings of not no new deal and his people weren't happy. And that's, again, and and that's led to a lot of clubs looking at the situation saying 27-year-old Cater on the free, um, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, amongst those, we understand. Now, what we need to play out there, Scott, is they're not looking at building a team ah yes nice nice I've Michael just, Carrick confirmed <laughs> Michael Carrick has been confirmed by Middlesbrough uh, yeah see with a bit of backroom uh, shenanigans going on there but um, yeah he'd agreed the job last week so um, it's undefeated but in two games so he takes over so <laughs> good luck to him he's going to need it um, so, sorry uh, turns to Naby Keita um, so teams are looking at him Scott and thinking Joe what there's a the, what we saw at the back in the last season is a fantastic midfielder. And I said he's lean linked to Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham. Now, they're not looking at him to come in and start and be, come and take over as captain and stuff. But if you're Chelsea, for instance, and you're losing um, um, Zakaria, who's obviously not playing anyway, uh, but if losing Encante and Jorginho, Kante, losing two players, they bring Declan Rice in, but then you need more as well, like Premier League experience. And I think someone like this is in Tottenham and Arsenal looking as well. I think Navigator could be an intriguing prospect for someone on a free transfer. Why wouldn't you take the gamble? Because on his day, he's proven in the Premier League. And and I, I like him. He won me over last season. And I think Liverpool, as you say, Scott, they need a rebuild. Cater wouldn't be one of the ones I was getting rid of. I, Joe, I think I agree with you, Scott. I think they need to, you know, Henderson, Milner, Thiago, they'd all be out the door before Cater for me. I think this season they've been horrendous. And I said, I was, I said Thiago's been a huge disappointment. He's been a massive flop for me at Liverpool. He really has. And I don't what, although you guys are trying to wire me up with that, I didn't have, there wasn't much of a bite back on that, you know? I'm, I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying yeah, that it's, uh, <laughs> Thiago in Liverpool terms is the, is the man. You know, he, he's the player that we signed from Bayern Munich, this world-class yeah. footballer. I think they had to say on the under, undertones out that there really is a disappointment there that he hasn't become that world, that world star under Klopp. And and I know I, I don't know what the local fans' opinion of Jordan Henderson is. I haven't heard that. You know, I think he's gone. I do. I think his legs have gone. I think Mil, Mil, out of all them, Milner's probably one you keep around because he's still <laughs> doing it, you know. But I think Cater's one at 27 who's coming to his prime, I don't think they should be letting him go. And to be fair, they are trying, they are talking, they are trying to keep him. But he looks well, looks well in his way out the door. You know, he can sign a pre-contract in less than two months. I, I think the issue for Cater is, is that he's possibly played himself out of getting a long-term deal on good money yeah. because of that injury record. He's played 76 times in four and four seasons and 12 games. Yeah, 19 games a season is not a lot. It's not a lot for the investment in terms of wages. And don't forget they paid 52 million for him. He mm. actually, in the grand scheme of things, has been a, one of the biggest disappointments for Liverpool yeah. through no fault of his own, but he hasn't been able to stay fit. Um, and it's about recruitment as well. And the interesting thing with him as well, obviously he was a big um, 
and I've only just thinking this actually. There's a big Michael Edwards push at Chelsea. If he did go in there, then there's no one knows Naby Keita better than him. So that's an interesting sideline side as well. We don't know what Michael Edwards is doing yet, but I think Naby Keita is really interesting. What keep an eye on in terms of squad depth. Whereas if he went to Arsenal, not saying he'd walk into that team, but just it's that real quality of depth, isn't it? That someone like Arsenal could do with. Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham monitoring monitoring the situation of Naby Keita at Liverpool. You can read that from Graham at on 90min.com. One of the number of players who's out of contract next summer, I think the likes of Yuri Tielemans probably going to come on the market as well, scored a banging goal the weekend. What a goal that was. Um, but out of contract in 2024 is Harry Kane. Uh, and Bayern Munich doing the public chat about Harry Kane. Uh, <laughs> ticking off Tottenham, perhaps, but uh, Hassan Salahamazic, I think, was speaking about him the other day. Uh, it's not the first time that Kane has been linked to Bayern, but Graham, uh, how are Tottenham feeling about this? Because it's, it, I think I read this or I, I, I saw it, it was brought up on something I was watching, I think. Conte's contract is up in the summer. Harry Kane's contract is up in 2024. That means that Spurs' hand with Harry Kane is weak. It's probably the weakest that it's ever been. If Spurs don't get top four, there is a very, very real possibility that both of those people leave. And then what do Spurs do? What, what's, the, what's the attitude within Spurs, Graham, at the moment? In terms of both, I'm very worried. In terms of Conte and what we're hearing in Turin with Allegri, Tottenham could be looking for a new manager in January. Quite easy. They could be looking for a new manager within a month. It depends what Allegri is doing. This World Cup break is a big one for Spurs. But it's this Harry Kane one. Um, There's a massive worry to them, Scott. He's showing no indication. Spurs are confident their sent was... They're confident he signs a new deal. But I think it's this particular, as we discussed before, this Bayern Munich interest, which is really different to everything we've heard before. He's been linked to PSG, Real Madrid, all these others. I personally, I agree with you. I didn't see him going to Spain and living life up like that. But in terms of him going to Munich, as we said, it's a promise of silverware. Um, It's a promise of playing for a world this world domination type team. You know, he he could be the final piece in the jigsaw. For, for Munich in a lot of ways and, and the way they play with the number nine I, don't, I can't think of a better club in the world for Harry Kane I, even, even more so than, than the City you know the way he, he plays now I think Bayern would be so perfect for him I really do but yeah um, and as we said Sally Hamditch is the latest Bayern person to say oh we're not going to talk about other players but we do love Harry Kane <laughs> in, the, in the same breath definitely not said, talking about him though. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. he's one of the world's best players but we're not going to talk about him it's brilliant politics isn't it it really is um, but yeah I, I don't what you think Toby. I, I, the more you think of Harry Kane to Bayern Munich it just makes so much sense just before you jump in there Tob, um, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking if Tottenham are not playing well at all. We saw we saw them get beat by Newcastle. They were awful against Man United the other day. It was pretty much expected by most that they're coming third this season. But they're not taking games on the front foot. And Harry Kane and Son are... Son's not had a great season. He's had a, he's had a spell. Harry Kane's looking okay. But the rest of the players are just used as... We're just going to sit in, you know, apart from the wingbacks who try and get forward. But missing Kulisevsky has been a massive blow for them. And they're just not looking... They're, they're one of the worst teams in the top seven at the moment, by on form, along with Liverpool. And 
I'm just looking at Harry Kane now. I'm thinking, why would you bother signing that contract and taking all the power out of your hands? Uh, he, he's probably going to have that. Uh, I think he's got that Spurs record scorer in sight. He wants to score loads of Premier League goals. What if Man United and Chelsea go in the top four? I, this is speculation, but what if they do and Spurs don't? This is what I was going to interject with. Bayern, outside of the Premier League, are the most suitable destination for me. I agree with Graham. Stability, guaranteed to win trophies, a good shot at the Champions League. Two or three years there, he'd score so many goals, it'd be untrue. But in terms of staying in the Premier League, Man City obviously don't need him now because they've got Erling Haaland. I could see if Man United got in the top four, I could see Harry Kane going to Man United if they, or I could see them wanting him and testing his resolve so that he could accomplish the Premier League goal scoring record. Um, I was thinking, I was thinking the same thing about Chelsea. I was saying, obviously, I don't think that'd happen. He would do that, but there's a few Premier League teams there who would suit perfectly, isn't there? But Newcastle, I, 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 hey, they're one of the teams who could afford him. You don't, you can't rule this out. But I think in Alan Shearer is a good, is a, is a an interesting point where do, do any of us remember Shearer um, at Newcastle? Not particularly. I remember him at Blackburn lifting that trophy. Top scorer in the league, yeah, that's not what people want now. He, he, look, if Harry Kane will be sat thinking, and it'd be interesting to know if he's talking to these old players and stuff. You need, you need silverware if it for him to well, go he's through. He's already his, said this under Pochettino, yeah. he's already said this publicly, yeah. It's, it's, uh, but then the Pochettino thing, you know, if, if the, it's so fascinating, I say, Scott, though, about Conte, Conte leaves, and then is that, is that Daniel Levy's trump card? He brings back the man who. Harry Kane loves in Pochettino. He to might not very, win anything. <laughs> yeah, but he might very be he, he might be the one person who could actually persuade Kane to sign a new deal at Spurs. I just think Harry Kane's had this opportunity and this option too many times for him to pass it by. Spurs are gonna and Conte needs commitment. He's he's he, in his post-match press conference, he was calling for commitment from Spurs. Show me commitment, buy me players. No, but I'm not going to. Don't talk to me about sword. my contract. Yeah, don't talk to me about my contract. But I want you to be committed. Yeah, he wants commitment from Spurs to buy him players, but Spurs are going to want a contract from him. Yeah, new contract from him. So how do they leave this? And I, I, I'd be interested to know if you're a Spurs fan listening to this, get in touch with us uh, at underscore Scott Saunders at Graham Bailey at Toby underscore Cudworth on how you're feeling at the moment. Because there's some Spurs supporters football, in our not team. Liking the football, are they? It's a, the, and which and I know I've disappeared from a Middlesbrough point of view. Last, we used to always mourn. It's a similar situation. We used to always mourn about the football scene McLaren played played. And and we won but now it's always when we look back, oh he was a great seven manager we won the cup. No no one remembers what football you played when you did it. It's one and Tottenham fans you hear him. But yeah I, I thought it was bizarre the way they played yesterday and he's switching from his systems and yeah I think it's so bizarre the the form that them that them players that show and son and Kane to have two of the best players in Europe to play like that is just it's bemusing. I thought didn't Spurs know or they had probably had a feeling Conte was only going to stick around for a couple of years. It's mm. in his history. He doesn't yeah. stay anywhere for more than two or three years and he gets upset quite quickly. I mm-hmm. don't think any of us should be surprised if Allegri did go if Conte sought that move to Juventus, even though they are in the pits as well and they need a huge rebuild and I'm not sure that Conte is actually the right man to oversee that, I can absolutely see him walking away from Spurs just because it's what he does. I think he might see Juve as not an easy fix, but I think you can go in there and have a massive impact, can't you? So after the World Cup, you can imagine Pogba fit, possibly winning the World Cup with France, Vlaovic, 
hasn't been faring really um, as he could as a, as a world superstar. Um, and, and one of the teams who I, I think will be one of the dark horses, Serbia, I think they'll get to the latter stages in, in Qatar. Um, but yeah, context, yeah. I'd be I'd be worried if I was Spurs. If if you if I'd be worried if I loved him, Scott. But how much, as you say, how much do Spurs fans love Conte? Do some, and I think some of them would would if you offered them pot shot Conte, it'd be interesting to know what the the masses would say. I I think they'd be quite split. Maybe do you, you, do you know what would make them better <laughs> if God, they weren't playing three at the back, but they don't have any right backs that Conte trusts, and they don't have any left backs that Conte trusts. He just rotates five or six players in those roles doesn't well, really back any of them publicly in fact he does the opposite he calls them out and tells them that they're not good enough um whereas actually their midfield has been all right this season the spurs boys tell us anyway benton good hoiberg good kane 10 premier league goals already so some of them are playing well but just defensively that's just depressing just about spurs. That, that's spurs, that spurs team though and we talk about hoiberg that's a depressing thing he should be a side note nothing against him but he should be the side note in that team shouldn't he? i was looking i was thinking when spurs signed perisic just just give him ball let him cross the ball in for them three it was yeah. it, it had a magical feel about it but now it's not working out if you put perisic in your fpl team early on i don't know how many points you've got have you got him too no, I've got him in our draft and he has delivered me a few kind of eight-point showings. But yeah, he's not starting every week, which is the key to uh, FPL success. Fair play. Antonio Conte not very happy at Spurs and he's not making any secret of it either. Uh, let's talk. Let's keep with Bayern. We'll come to the West Ham section at the end, Toby. Keep with Bayern, uh, who are looking at a potential deal for a Man City midfielder, Graham. Ilkay Gundogan. Yeah, a bit of information we've got um, is that Bayern like Gundogan and they're considering bringing him back to Germany. Um, obviously, he left some time ago from Dortmund. And the thing that is, he's only 31, Gundogan. You, I think of him being, that is right, I am. I do get my dates wrong sometimes. He is 31, isn't he, Gundogan? I'm going to check that. I'm pretty I don't sure. Think he's any older than that. Oh, he's just turned 32. Oh, he's, t- he's 32 today. So how happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, so I was pretty I was pretty accurate. Um his his form has dropped. I he's been one of the most impressive players in the Premier League for me this season. The way he's he's played holding midfielder. I saw him in, in last game of the season against uh, Villa. He was playing like a number nine. He came on for bench and, and, and did brilliant things. Um yeah, it, it's an interesting one because I think he's a player who could still easily play at a very good level for four years. So I think Bayern are looking at this. It's logical, isn't it, that, that you know he could go, he could be one of the, the fulcrums of their team at this age, and to get him on the free. And I think it's one of those where City uh, did like him to stay, but they're not offering him a long-term deal, um, and they, they would bid him farewell. You know, City move players on so well; they do it the right way. Don't we? we talk about Ronaldo and the way it's gone wrong, but City do it the right way. Um, I think they're giving Gundogan the option if he wants to stay another year or maybe two years, he'll do it if he wants to move on to a bigger club. There was talk in the MLS, but he's far too good for that at the moment. And it, I think there's a lot of teams in Europe wanting him. And one of them is buying, buying and looking at the idea of bringing him in. Him in. And so, yeah, you'll read this on um, our English edition and the Dutch and German edition, I should say. Um, but it's a really interesting prospect. I, I love him as a player. I think he's great. Um, it always reminds me of Zaka when I think they came in at the same time. And I said at the time that Gundogan was so much of a better player than Zaka he was. And I got hordes of abuse from Arsenal fans, but they're all very quiet. Having a good now season, when, to be fair. Compared to, yeah, but he's not Gundogan, is he? You know, 
<laughs> it's not going to one. Um, but yeah, it'd be an interesting one. This it could be that's the sort of deal that you can see buying that buying pulling off. And uh, you know, we're going to talk about West Ham's link with midfielders. I tell you what, if if he was on the market tubs, I'd push the ball off that boy because he could play for another four years and he'd slot into any midfield in the Premier League. Gunder one is the reason Bayern would want him is he's a model of consistency, isn't he? And professional, yeah, and professionalism. I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. And um, it doesn't hasn't had too many injuries off the top of my head. I'm, I'm probably his, going to be mistaken. His first season, do you remember? He had a serious injury in his first year at City, but apart from that, I think he's been pretty solid throughout in the last six years. And if he's not been starting Premier League games, he's a guaranteed starter in the Champions League. He's one of Pep's go-to players in the big games. Um, yeah. So a smart signing if Bayern go after him. He's, sure. played, he's been looking at he's played all, since that first season. So after that, he's played um neat. Oh, it shows how many games these players play nowadays. He's played nearly 50 games a season for City since then. Very good player scoring for fun for Man City down the years. But let's let's talk another midfielder. Let's, you've alluded to it already, Graham. West Ham. Uh I say another midfielder, midfielders, I guess, Toby, unless you want to do the Deck and Rice part. Yeah. Uh, this is Irons in the Fire. We need a theme tune for this part of the show. Uh, we need a theme tune for the show, to be fair, but um, we'll work yeah. on it. West Ham and midfielders, they need some, is the uh, the long and short of it. Uh, have they got Declan Rice, who we know is linked with Chelsea, United City, Liverpool, any big team. His long-term future at West Ham, he's not going to be there long-term. We know that. Um, probably the end of this season, Chelsea will look to make a big move for him, possibly even in January never know but probably in the summer is more likely Thomas Socek has less than two years left on his deal at West Ham they were talking to him about a new contract earlier in the year that's all gone quiet talks haven't picked up again and we've known for a while that teams are interested in Socek so it leaves David Moyes just with Flynn Downs and Pablo Fornals as his other two central midfield options which don't fill many fans with confidence How is Flynn Downs looking Toby? All right to be honest he has been man of the match in three of West Ham's five Europa Conference League games. And you'll say to me, the quality of opposition is not great. And I grant you that that's true, but he's done a good job so far um, to the extent that Moisey started playing him in, in Premier League games, albeit from the bench. He did start at Anfield actually in the one nil defeat. To be uh, fair. Now you are seven, right. Now you are 17th in the Premier League. I think he's okay for that position. As I say, win tonight, Graham, we're up to 10th. No problem. But that won't do, basically. West Ham wants to try and advance and be that team who get into that super seven that we've already spoken about. Um, fiercely competitive, but signed Paqueta and Skamaka in the summer, so that's a sign of West Ham's intentions. Edson Alvarez was watched and wanted by Chelsea at the end of the summer window, liked by Manchester United in the past. West Ham have been looking at him. They've got scouts in Holland. Watching Eredivisie games, Alvarez has stood out and so has Ibrahim Sanger of PSV Eindhoven, who signed a new five-year deal in the summer. But I think the feeling with that is, is that it was more of a protecting his value to make sure that when he does move on, PSV can get a good fee for him. So they're two pretty high-profile players that West Ham are watching and there's absolutely no guarantee that they will get them. Of course, there isn't. They're very much top targets um, in terms of West Ham's ability to attract players, but it says the kind of journey that West Ham want to go on when they're building for the future. They want to build on Paqueta and Skamaka. It's not a we had one good summer and we'll just hope that it pays off. Um, they want to keep investing, Graham. Yeah, I, I think 
when I heard about the interest in Alvarez or the scout, scouting him anyway, love watching him. It it just seemed like a a rice clone or, or almost, you know. I think he'd slot in beautifully into that role, Toby, to be honest. Um the Suchet one's interesting. Do, do you do again? Do you go for if it was a Sangari, say a Sangari and and um and Alvarez? Very much like for like for the two of them, isn't it? Um bit a bit of a box to box feel with Suchek, but would you want them to go for more of a number eight, more of a ball player next next and let and leave just one holding, or do you like the two holding? Yeah, I, I think for West Ham to progress, they need to move away from the model of having two holding midfielders. I understand why they do it for stability and obviously grinding out results, but Sochek for the last six months hasn't really added a lot to West Ham. If if we're totally honest, he looks he's looked knackered for a long time, um, and he's got his limitations. He's not brilliant on the ball. Um, his control is a bit clumsy. His passing isn't great. He's just kind of a threat aerially um, when he does get forward. But I think West Ham, ideally, to get the best out of Paqueta and Skamaka, they need more of a number eight to actually be able to feed the ball into those two and for West Ham to have more of a ground-based approach. So if Socek were to go, I think um, that's the kind of midfielder West Ham need to look for rather than... Um, strengthening in a defensive capacity. The only reason to do that would be if Rice goes, then obviously... You don't think both would leave or... in the same window? Too? Can't see Suchek and Rice being allowed to leave in one window? No, absolutely not, because they've started probably 95% of West Ham's games in the last two years. Rip those two out. Could Suchek play the holding role, Toby? He's not mobile enough. I mean, he gets into the passing lanes to cut the ball out, yes, but then in terms of launching counter-attacks and being able to get the ball forward... More of a water carrier than a... Yeah, yeah. He hasn't got the all-around ability that we know Declan Rice has got. Um, it's the one thing that everybody loves about Rice is that he not only breaks up play... But if you play a one spray... if, if you play the one though, Toby, a, a water carrier, just a, a big block, might be better in that role anyway, possibly. Possibly, but as I say, he's not mobile enough. In the air, yes. Mm. Certainly good enough to win nine out of ten headers, but yeah, I don't think Sochek's got that in his locker, if we're honest. So, uh, West Ham, not currently the top United in the Premier League. That honour goes to Newcastle. At least you're not the bottom United. Though. I was going to say, at least Leeds United are uh, propping up the worst. We what await you- news on the Leeds managerial situation. They do have Liverpool next weekend, and I know that I've said that I think Liverpool are you know, ending their cycle here. But, you know, <laughs> I think they're still capable on their day. And uh, is it really smart to make a manager? And maybe maybe they have by the time this goes out and by the time you listen to this, maybe they made a decision on Jesse Mars's future. But he's looking under fire at the moment. But why would you do that? Why would you do it? Just let him go to Liverpool, lose that game. Leeds have turned quite rapidly. I know I when was it two less than two weeks ago? I, I when I did a piece after the game with Arsenal, I suggested they're relegation candidates. And as the TC uh, looked to point out to me, I was getting hordes of abuse off Leeds fans for suggesting they were even relegation candidates after that game. The tide has seemingly turned in last week or so, Toby. I think uh, nobody would disagree with me now, but um, yeah, I, I was worried for them after that game, a game which they presumed that they dominated and had. Arsenal had them at an arm's length the entire game, and and if, and I said to I, and I replied to one friend, a Leeds friend, friend of mine. So if you think you played well in that game, you are in big, big trouble. <laughs> there you have it. If you're a Leeds fan, get in touch with that Graham Bailey. If you haven't already, I'm sure. I'm sure the the amount of uh, replies that Graham had to that, I was like, well, I'm just gonna 
scroll through this and I kept scrolling, kept scrolling. And I was like, yeah, I better stop now. But uh, yeah, that's a, I've that's a well lot to, of people. I've done well not to go off. fishing. I haven't retweeted it yet. But yeah, amazingly, amount, a few, how few of those people have been back in touch so, Scott? Well, if you would like to get in touch, yes, please Graham do. Bailey, please do. Uh, after Liverpool. I'm sure Scott is whistling leads are falling apart around his round his flat as we speak. Whereas soon as say he has done at some point this weekend, Scott has done that. Very yeah. funny one in my, my group chat with my mates at home. Uh, two of them are Leeds fans, actually. Two of them are Leeds fans, and one says after the Fulham defeat, "Just go all out for Pochettino." Oh, I've seen, I, said, yeah, I saw that as well. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh my word. It's like, what are you thinking? I saw a link of that as well. And Joe, you know what? To be fair, though, we all laughed when they were linked after Bielsa. And if you remember, we all laughed when Everton tried to get Ancelotti. We've seen crazier appointments, haven't we? We have indeed. Uh, Pochettino, though, I, I think I could see that renewed renewed uh, relationship with Spurs coming up at some point. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. That's just a prediction from me, but thanks both for uh, today's show, Talking Transfers. For another week, uh, we'll be back next week as the World Cup edges closer and the transfer window in January also edges closer as well. We've talked today, Cristiano Ronaldo navigator Harry Kane, Ilkay Gundogan and West Ham's midfield search. Among other things, uh, please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth as well. Thank you very much for listening to Talking Transfers. We'll see you soon. <laughs>